anyway, yeah, <laughs> congrats on your soft Tosh.0. But- <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's all that was, and it's not even that because yeah, it's been like two years. Yeah, that's that's just that's dead. Died. That has and that's fine because like, there whatever. is no good news. It'd be like thirty seconds. Some good news. This guy almost got hit by a truck, and then and he wasn't. Oh, this child sold enough lemonade to pay for their own cancer treatment, but they ended up dying anyway. <laughs> Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwind. And I'm Steve Parkers. And today, we would like to invite you aboard a Typhoon-class submarine captained by a Lithuanian-born Soviet man with a really, really hefty Scottish accent. How does that sound? I thought it was perfect Russian. (laughs) So yeah, we are diving into... Oh, shit. We're diving into John McTiernan's 1990 dad movie classic... The Hunt for Red October. And we'll get into the dad moviness of this all later. Uh, but yeah, what a uh, what a dad movie it is. It one, sure is. One for the ages. <laughs> like, all your dad's favorite actors are in this. We've got Sean Connery, Courtney B. Vance. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> uh, Sam Neill. Uh, oh my God, there's so many. Scott Glenn. Like literally everyone... Is in this. It's just a bunch of guys who, when you see him, you're like, oh, that James guy. Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Uh, and also Jeffrey Jones, who we don't really like we to talk, talk about. We don't talk about Jeffrey Jones. Uh, it's one of those things where he's just unavoidable just if you're watching everywhere. movies from the 80s or 90s. You just can't avoid him. There's nothing you can do about it. It's like how... If you wanted to not watch any movies produced by Harvey Weinstein, you you you, you just, would never watch a movie. You'd never watch a movie for like a twenty year span. You couldn't watch Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Like yeah, so he's in this. Um, but everyone else is great, and we're really happy to see them. And uh, this one is like kind of a slow burn, <laughs> like a really, really slow burn. There's not a lot that happens in this movie for like 90 minutes. Yeah. So you had never seen this movie, right? I hadn't. And I went into this 95% sure I had seen this movie. <laughs> I don't think I had. <laughs> or, let me clarify. Oh, that's a new one. I think I had seen part of it on cable once. Okay. Uh, we never owned it. Uh, and it. Yeah, like as I was watching it, I was like, mm, don't remember this, don't remember that. Nope. Do I remember this? Oh, don't remember that. For like the entire two hour, two and change hour runtime. Yeah, about two hours and five minutes before credits, I want to say. And yeah, like I didn't love it. I, I, I found what's interesting is like I found things about it that I really, really like. There are uh, elements. There, there are, are elements, elements that I'm like, oh, I like that. Or like, I miss that about about action movies in, in our current age. True. But, you know, not a lot happens. And what it's two wolves wrestle within me because I kind of like that it that not a lot happens for a long stretch. There's part of me that is like, ha ha ha, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> like, like, it is nice to have like a lot of set up and a lot of like you know we're in this like really claustrophobic setting and you can't do a lot i guess 
I see what you're saying, and in theory, I agree with you. I think the problem is that there's a lot of missed opportunities with this movie, a lot of things I thought it was going to do that it didn't end up doing, and like, I love a slow burn when it eventually burns into something. Yeah. And this sort of felt like a slow burn that ends with a bit of like a just a wet puddle fart. Yeah. It, there... I, I really thought that, that Jack Ryan, who... This is a Jack Ryan movie. It's the first Jack Ryan movie. You could be forgiven for forgetting that Jack Ryan is in the Jack Ryan yeah, movie. Yeah, it's kind of weird. He doesn't feature as prominently as you might... As we've been taught to expect in, you know, sort of a an after, what, the aughts kind of... Yeah, well, uh, even like later Jack Ryan cinematic universes, like you do expect a little bit more of old Jack in there. And yeah, he's kind of like a bit part for the first hour uh, and change even, really until he gets lowered onto the sub. Yeah, that was, and that, so Jack Ryan is not being lowered onto the Russian sub. I really thought that this movie was going to have Jack Ryan on the Russian sub at least halfway through the movie. Like I thought that was going... Yeah, something. I thought it was going to be like a real... I kept waiting for like, ooh, he's got to like go undercover and like practice his Russian and like... Yeah. And, and no, no, nope, none of that at all. at all. I don't know if that means like my brain has been broken by tradition, like... Yeah. The new style of, of spot espionage movie. Well, and I do think like if the movie had been a little less shaggy dog and a little more structured, I... Yeah, I want to temper this by saying, like, I don't want every movie to be what they are now. Like, I don't mind a movie being a little out in left field, but it felt like it wasn't intentional in in its slow burn or in its structure. It felt just a little like, I don't know, and then this thing happens. Uh, so, in essence, for those of you who haven't seen it since it was on basic cable right. yeah, 25 years ago, The Hunt for Red October follows uh, Sean Connery's Russian submarine captain, I think there's yeah there's there's a a new submarine type that that moves like basically silently and is undetectable and Sean Connery is a veteran commander of nuclear submarines and he's captain of this and he just takes it for a joyride. Well, he yeah. So they they go out on what is supposed to be a training mission, uh, but he goes rogue and kind of flees to the upper Atlantic, heading towards America, and the entire like Russian Navy fleet goes after him, and this creates like this international incident with the Americans getting involved. This sounds so much more exciting than it actually is. Right, that's kind of the problem. So then uh, it kind of. Even how I'm about to describe this is more exciting than the reality where you get a moment where uh, Sean Connery kills the sort of Russian apparatchik who's on the sub with him. Yeah, he's like a KGB-ish type. He kills him just in cold blood. Fucking kills him. And takes the two nuclear keys. You see him take them. There's like a close-up on the keys as he puts them into his pocket. And you're like, oh boy, that's going to play. Yeah, it's that classic thing where you need two people. You need two guys, yeah. And so now he's in control of both keys. You've got Tim Curry. Tim Curry is there. He's great. And Tim Curry's like, hey, man, you shouldn't do that. We and should. He, you shouldn't. One ma- The whole point is one guy shouldn't have both keys. And Connery's like, fuck you, Tim Curry. I'm going to do it anyway. And it's like, oh, shit, this guy's going rogue. He's going to try to launch you, nukes at you America. You really think that there's going to be a scene at some point where either Sean Connery or someone who has taken them from him. Yeah tries to launch a nuke you 
you think that's going to happen. Right. And it, it doesn't. That doesn't happen at all. <laughs> it's a little too realistic. And then, so Jack Ryan comes into the picture because he's an analyst who knows Sean Connery's character. He's just studied him for years. And Jack Ryan is like, no, man, uh, this guy's actually trying to defect. He's trying to come to America. And you've got the Russian ambassador who, by the way, is a, an ambassador in Lethal Weapon 2, the diplomatic immunity guy. Everyone who's watched that movie knows that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hearing a chorus of oh's oh, from, from our diplomatic listeners. Diplomatic immunity yeah. has just been revoked. I don't know if that's the actual line, but it's oh, close to wow. that. It's great. It's a great scene. Another movie I haven't seen. <sighs> Lethal Weapon 2 is good. I, not to go like Mel Gibson Apologia because that guy sucks shit. But like, yeah. those are some good movies. The first two anyway. So where was I? So they've got the Russians telling the Americans like, this guy's actually going to launch nukes at you. you He's need a us. crazy guy. Help us destroy him. Help us blow him up. And then you've got Jack Ryan saying, no, he's actually trying to defect. We can get the nuclear sub and get their, you know, state Crazy secrets. Crazy awesome technology that, you know. Because they have this stealth tech that yeah. we can't figure out. And it's, so me describing that is like, holy shit, this sounds great. Like, who's sounds right? very tense. You who, know? Who is right? Even if we know that Jack Ryan is supposed to be right, like, he's our main character. Right. It should still be, like, tense. tense. And we should still, we should see Sean Connery's character behave in ways where you are you like, sure. uh, Or maybe and, it seems kind, like he changes his mind, perhaps. Right? And, and it feels like they are kind of trying to hint at him possibly having nefarious right you know genocidal tendencies something his wife died a year ago so like oh he snapped he's gone crazy right and and there's a whole conversation with him and sam neil uh pretty far into the movie where sam neil is like right. on board with the defection plan and he's talking sam neil is talking about how he wants to live in montana and own a pickup truck or maybe an RV. RV and it's it's really it's sweet and then he asks you know what are you looking forward to Sean Connery <laughs> and Sean Connery like doesn't have an answer and you're like ooh oh because he hasn't thought about it all he wants to do is blow up America and and die and then none know? of that happens at it's all. just taken as a given like yep uh oh actually yes he is defecting uh, there's no real tension or like sudden reveal or anything it's just like and yeah uh no he is he's defecting all right well and now here's Stellan Skarsgård yeah. to provide a little bit of action. Stellan Skarsgård is one of the Russian commanders of a of another submarine and is trying to destroy, you know, the Red October. Uh, and you know, he just disappears for long stretches. They like also an hour. don't focus on like I know there's the Russian ambassador, but we don't really see the inner workings of the Russian state, no. or rather the Soviet state. And we shouldn't be saying Russian because it true. is Soviet. It was Soviet. So there's you know Chernenko, who is uh, the head of the Soviet. What the fuck is it? Premier, general secretary, whatever. <laughs> uh, but he's he's in charge of the Soviet Union, and we see him like once. Once, like Maybe walking twice. into an office or something. Yeah. Kind of looks like Gorbachev. Yeah. It was like, wait, who, which one is he supposed to be? Yeah. And then they say it and you're like, oh, right, right, yeah. right. The one who, who like kind of no one remembers because was, he was in charge for less than a year. Yeah. But he, like, we don't really see him reacting to this stuff, which feels like a missed opportunity to kind of build the tension. Right. Yeah, there is, this movie kind of, 
pulls from a lot of other movies that do things better I think and like as when it first started I was like oh it's just a role reversed Doctor Strange love which could be really interesting instead of the crazy American general it's the crazy uh, Russian submarine captain but nope that's not what happens no uh, he's not like, crazy at all. He's not crazy at all. And like, okay, good. Don't just directly rip off Dr. Strangelove. That's fine. <laughs> fine. But it does just kind of leave like something to be desired. Mm-hmm. It's like, what was your point exactly? Why Why did we do this? Yeah, what are you trying to say exactly? Like, it is completely understandable that the Russians would not want this technology to fall into That American part hands. I'm on board with. Yeah, like that part makes sense. So I get, like, the drama of them wanting to blow up the the submarine. Sure. But that kind of doesn't play that doesn't out make until that, the that, third yeah, act. Yeah, and that doesn't make them the bad guys either. Right. Like, I well, don't, you know, I guess maybe they're not supposed to be, like, the bad guys. This certainly was the era of, like, the Soviets are the bad guys no matter what. Right. Uh, and, like, okay, fine, I whatever. But, yeah, like, they could have been, they're just trying to keep state secrets uh but yeah Stellan Skarsgård kind of plays the guy as like very evil even though he's just doing his job he's just trying to doing it very well but yeah yeah, it would have been nice to have had a few more moments of like actual character building where like I don't know it would have been nice in the beginning to like have seen him and Sean Connery interact for a minute or something I kind of imagined afterwards a whole backstory between them that would have been fun where he was like Sean Connery's star pupil and yeah. was like, you know, they, it was like a father-son dynamic, but then either Connery abandoned him or he got, you know, too cocky and wouldn't listen to instructions anymore. It sounds like a real good rewrite for the pre- the Star Wars prequels. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, like have a. It's a classic dynamic. It's great. Yeah, have an Anakin uh, Obi Wan Obi Wan situation going on here, and you know you had this moment just before spoiler, I guess. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård gets blown up, where one of his crew members is like, "You fool! You've doomed us all Killed with us your all. with your arrogance." It's like, oh, so this guy's like super arrogant. That would have been cool to know. Like, I guess we should have maybe learned a little bit about Stellan's character. We had the time. We had so much fucking time. We had a lot of time. And like, you know, I will, I do really like, they apparently shot a lot of uh, the interiors for the Red October on an actual submarine. And that's cool. And you can totally see that in the shots. Like, it just feels very claustrophobic. It looks great. And that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It won an Oscar for sound design. Sounds great. Great sound design. Uh, you know, there's like some cool stuff about this that I really like. But as a whole, it's kind of weird that so many people are so in, so many dads mostly. And, mostly dads. and you know, people with, people who are dads at heart <laughs> are really into this movie. Yeah, it's always kind of got this outsize reputation of like, ooh, The Hunt for Red October, classic. And like, it's not a bad movie by any stretch, but it is a, it's a mid. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice mid. It's a nice mid. And not, I feel like I keep just being like, I did like this thing and I like this thing. I do really like that, A of all, they didn't make the poor actors who are not Russian speak Russian in the whole movie. But what they did do was a really nice attempt. It is an attempt. An attempt was made. An attempt was made where the, you know, actors playing 
Soviet characters speak Sam Russian. Neil and Sean, Sean Connery, Connery and, and a that, bunch of the other guys. That crew, they speak Russian for the first few minutes of the movie. Yeah, kind of a while. Like, I would say, you know, maybe the first 10 minutes of runtime, probably love just a few minutes of their runtime specifically. Yeah. And but, yeah, they uh, do. boy, it sure is really cute to see yeah. Sean Connery in particular attempt to speak Russian. Uh, he, he, you know, he gave it, he he gave it a try. He did. And he, he's very brusque and quick about it, which I think was, I think a lot of the act, I did notice this. A lot of the actors tried to get away with like mumbling a lot. A lot of it isn't super clear and that's fine. You know, you're going to be subtitled anyway. You know, you're not going to nail, like, I doubt there was a fucking dialect coach on, on set for this, uh, because you, because it was the nineties, you know. Uh, no, it was like sort of a proto attempt at what Warrior, the show on HBO Max, does really well, uh, where they, at least in season one, they start out all talking in uh, Chinese, and then the camera does this kind of 360, uh, like a dolly track around, and as they circle around, it switches from Chinese to English. Yeah. And so you really know what's happening here. Where like, oh, okay, so they are still speaking Chinese in, in their universe, but we're hearing it. It's the babble fish. You yeah. Know? It's like you are now hearing It's the them. Doctor Who universal translator that... that or the Hitchhiker's Guide Babble Fish. Yeah. Either one. Let pick your pick, pick your, your nerdy, nerdy shit. Yeah. But like this time, I think it it does work. I get the point. But like the zoom in on the lips, a little and the weird. Zoom, and then the <laughs> zoom out is like, oh, it seems like he kind of just started speaking English. But I get what they're doing, and like. So, uh, kind of a weird tie-in here. John McTiernan, the director of this film, directed Predator, mm-hmm. uh, and we just watched Prey, which on was Hulu, really good. I had I had fun. a really good time. One of my few knocks against Prey because it is very good, and you should check it out, especially if you have Hulu. It's free. Yeah, know. but like they are Comanche uh, Native Americans, and they speak English the entire time. And it's noticeable. And like, I get, you know, still why the studio wouldn't let them just be sure. Even even if you are going direct to Hulu, there's still this reticence, even though what's what I don't really understand. And maybe it was just like Squid Game, you know, they had already shot this before Squid Game blew up. But I guess. you also had movie like I'm actually not sure. I don't know when they shot. I, this. I don't know when they shot this. Um, it's possible they shot it before Squid Game blew Maybe. up, and everyone was like, "No, really, you can do TV with, with subtitles, yeah, with the people, native language, and people will fucking love it. Yeah, they it's will fine. go ham." Even before that, like Tarantino has been that doing was, that for a while, and like that's one thing I do give him a lot of credit for because he's come out and said like, "Why are we still doing this?" Like valkyrie shit where everyone just speaks with a german accent it Oof. sounds dumb as shit just have them speak german they're germans or russians or comanche or whoever just speak the language and people can read and like there were rumors that prey also shot in with like alternate takes where they actually spoke comanche Which would have been so cool uh, that fits, that sounds very expensive. It would have been expensive. I don't know. Uh, and it seems like actually maybe what people meant was just that there's a Comanche dub. dub. Uh, although that wasn't available for us. I, on, it wasn't an option for on us. Hulu, so I don't know. I uh, hear it is. Um, but I hear it's also annoying because you can do the Comanche dub. 
but then you have to select like the closed subtitles. captioning there's right. no subtitles it's just closed captioning oh. which is different oh, which feels like a kind of kind of an l on well and the, look i think they could have done the warrior hunt for red october thing of like everyone speaking in comanche for the first five yeah. or ten minutes do a little camera move and then they're speaking English. especially given there isn't that much dialogue well that's the thing it's yeah it's mostly especially like Basically, from the midpoint of the movie, it's just more or less her and the the predator. Yeah. There's not a lot. There's no monologues going on. No. Uh, so you're right. Like, it could have easily just stayed Comanche. But if they were too cowardly, too chicken shit to do that, at least do the little camera move. I think we as an audience understand that at this it's point. It's part of the language of cinema now. Yeah. And like... I think, you know, I guess a little bit of credit for Red October for being one of the first to do that. Yeah. That's that's surprisingly forward thinking. It is interesting, like, you know, finding that new vocabulary, that new cinematic yeah. vocabulary. Like, okay, how are we going to indicate this change, this, like, translation uh, effect? Yeah. And, the, you know, in The Hunt for Red October, it's zooming in on... Um, a guy's lips and that's and then backing out and like that isn't it but it's a it's the it's an attempt it's a first yeah they got to first base and then it took warrior to to hit a home run and get everyone uh, you know clear the bases yeah and like that works like if somebody's talking and you do a little spin around and the language changes I, as an audience member, I'm like, I get yep, it. I get it. I'm like, okay. Makes sense. So, like, we cool. have that now. So, I don't know, for the sequel, maybe maybe do that. Yeah, but. I like the the spinny move because it's usually starting from behind the characters that are speaking and then putting us in front of them, which, like, invites us into their world. Right. Whereas before we were outsiders hearing them speak in, in mm-hmm. Chinese and then, you know, we're right in it. And and it's it's an invitation, and I like that the the zooming on the, on the, the lips zoom is in, not it doesn't work quite the same. It's also like it breaks weirdly. It breaks the fourth wall just enough mm-hmm. because it you know you expect a zoom like a dolly shot like that, like a zoomy dolly shot to be in some kind of action sequence or some kind of big like reveal. Yeah, or like a reveal. You expect something big to be happening, but it's just dialogue. There's just two two people talking. And so for that camera move to happen and then you change the language, it's like, oh, that's the big thing that's happening yeah. is we are now, you know, being We are in their world, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good first attempt, McKiernan yeah. and co. Like, I, I like where your heads were at and I'm glad we found something. Uh, but also it you does- could just do like the native language. It's fine. I can read. I can read. Although, again, if you have non-native speakers of the language, like it's it, it ends up being oddly disrespectful. I that think. is like I, I am glad. All that being said, I'm glad we didn't have to listen to Sean Connery try to speak in Russian oh for God. two hours. That would have been pretty fucking rough. Brutal. But yeah, speaking of uh, John McTiernan, man, he had a run. Uh, and he, Hunt for Red October was right in the middle of it. Like from late 80s through the mid 90s, that dude was just crushing it he's your dad's favorite director and he doesn't (laughs) doesn't have no idea it's like predator die hard hunt for red october medicine man kind of underrated by the way pretty good movie uh last action hero not underrated it's not very good die hard 2 uh die hard with a vengeance Um, oh oh oh, wait 
No, he didn't do Die Hard no, 2. No, he did he Die was Hard doing, 3. He was doing The Hunt yeah, for Red Sorry, October. Die Hard with a Vengeance is uh, the third one, which is better than Die Hard 2, actually. Uh, it's it's Cause, great. Because he wasn't involved. Sam Jackson uh, there in New York. It's a really good. We could watch that, actually. That's not a bad one. And then uh, Thomas Crown Affair. So, like, a really solid run. He's, you know, a bunch of the movies that we will be talking about right? on this list. And this, uh, for for Hunt for Red October, Jan de Bont was the DP. Yeah. Jan, Jan de Bont, uh, uh, favorite of the Predator. Uh, Jan de Bont, a favorite of the podcast. Yeah. He's, he's kind of our guy. Twister and Speed. Speed. Like, I don't know. That's kind of it, I think. I guess, but like two really huge, like beloved movies. No, you're right. That is kind of the only two. It kind of falls off the rails pretty quick. We had a that. we had a little research break there. Yeah, we're back though. Uh, you noticed. Yeah. One other interesting thing is that, like, for for the amount of screen time and the role he plays in the movie, you would think that Jack Ryan would kind of be kind of a nerdy analyst. Like, although the problem is that, like, he has this background as this, like, Marine who got shot down in a helicopter and was in traction for whatever for and like had a to year relearn to walk again and everything. But, like... It would be interesting to have had him be kind of nerdy, to have never gotten fully over the atrophy of being in traction for a year. Or just leave out that backstory. It doesn't feel necessary. Like, because there's a scene where one of the military guys kind of dresses down the other guy. He's like, cut him some slack. He was, you know, in traction for a year and blah, blah, blah. He went down. He's a Marine who went down with a helicopter. It's like, eh, we don't need him to be this former badass. Like, and this is me speaking as a non Jack Ryan fan. I don't know anything about the character other than I know he's an analyst who's kind of supposedly out of his depth and always getting kind of caught up in these big situations but like a guy in a pickle he's a guy in a pickle but then don't make him a former marine just make him an analyst who suddenly finds himself in the middle of like a potential nuclear yeah he has the information that people need and he has to get to the people and getting there is difficult getting there is difficult he has to use his wits he has to win over these rough you know gruff military military guys you know these jarheads the jarheads who just look at him as a pencil pusher but oh actually he's you know really smart and he's a great strategist etc etc like i think that's a good opportunity there to do that but jack ryan as a character is always kind of miscast yeah, and by the way, Jack Ryan, not Jack Reacher. Those are two different characters those, those are that two I different. confuse constantly. Mm. I absolutely was like, wasn't Tom Cru- didn't Tom Cruise play this character? No, no. That's Jack Reacher. That's Jack Reacher. Uh, who I don't, also don't know much about that character. I hear the new show is good. Uh, I haven't seen it. But um, yeah, like the problem with Jack Ryan and the Jack Ryan franchise is that they're casting hunks for the most part, uh, or at least in the film. So it was Alec Baldwin, uh, Harrison Ford. Who had turned down the role that and Baldwin took it. And then Harrison Ford was like, yeah, all right, fine. Baldwin always just getting Ford Bald- scraps. Bal- yeah, Baldwin. Well, Baldwin wanted more money for the second one. Uh. Uh, and they were like, for that money, we could get Harrison Ford. And so they got Harrison Ford. That's a smart move. Look, I'm I I like Baldwin, but he's no Harrison Ford. Uh, but yeah, Baldwin, like especially early '90s Baldwin, he's just too. 
He's Glengarry Glen Ross. Like, yeah. he's the leads. Like, yeah, he can't play, like, kind of a... A nerdy pushover. Yeah. That's not correct. No. Uh, who's afraid of flying and stuff. Like, I don't buy it. Uh, and then you had uh, Ben Affleck be Jack Ryan for a movie, and then Chris Pine, and currently on Amazon, uh, John Krasinski, who, from a character standpoint, is probably the closest. Right. Jim Halpert got yeah. jacked. <laughs> Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Uh, I haven't seen that show either. I just, I, I, I just don't care that much about the Jack Ryan franchise. Feels like the redheaded stepchild well, of they've never they've never branded it as the Jack Ryan franchise. I had no idea the Hunt for Red October was a Jack Ryan movie. The only I didn't time, know the Sum of All Fears was the only time they have explicitly branded it as a Jack Ryan movie was the Chris Pine movie. And that didn't work. It wasn't a hit. Like, these movies never seem to be huge hits. They seem like diminishing returns. It's really interesting, given, given the success of the, of the book series. The book series. Like, it's a Tom Clancy enterprise. Joint. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he should start calling them that. Um, and, Spike Lee sues. And, like, in theory, it should work because it's got all the makings of other sort of geopolitical spy thrillers but it's just never caught on like the mission impossible movies or the born movies interestingly there have been five jack ryans and by my count there have been six 007s so like kind of surprising you you think of the 007 series as having a bunch of guys who have played him over the years but like that's also true of jack ryan but they kind of speed ran it from (laughs) speed running the the bond yeah from the 90s till now it's just like a new guy i don't know yeah let's see if this works and i guess they all make just enough money to get the next one made keep going Uh, but they're always just sort of like yeah whose favorite movie is the sum of all fears some some dad somewhere some dad somewhere but but not most dads. Yeah. Even most dads, it's like, oh yeah, I love some fall fears. Well, like mm-hmm. even I like Chris Pine, but I don't know anyone who has ever seen that Jack Ryan movie. But I actually don't. I didn't even know he did that. Uh, so so in 2014, he did Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Shadow Recruit. I did. I have heard of that movie. Yeah. Uh, and so has other everyone else. No one else has actually seen it. Oh my god, we had to do a little another little research break for that. By the way, we're back. We're, that I'm editing out. <laughs> Keep it in, coward. Just a long stretch of Did typing they, is noise. The, is the show over? I hear ty- I just hear a typing and and heavy god. breathing. It's <laughs> is someone burping? That was a fart. That was definitely a fart. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, it's just kind of a weird, misbegotten franchise where, like, is it even a franchise? Really? Right. Like, or is it just, they just keep naming somebody Jack Ryan and that's kind of the only connective tissue? And I guess the Amazon series is successful enough. It's like two seasons at least, right? Yeah. I don't know if there's a third season. I don't. I've never heard anyone talk about it. No. I've never heard anyone excited Which about it. It's kind of similar to Yellowstone. The I have I have never heard I have never met a single person who watches Yellowstone and I have never like even seen online anywhere. Like I have a bunch of Facebook friends from who like you know, I met when I was going around the country, just talking to people, that thing that I did. <laughs> and so I have like a, a, a much more diverse sample of of 
people, a, a cross section, if you will. And, you know, I, he, I see people talk about things that like I would never watch or whatever. And that's fine. I've literally never seen anyone talk about Yellowstone or the Jack Ryan series. So I wonder if there is... But they're huge, or Yellowstone is huge. Yellowstone is huge. Huge shitload of people watch it. It is spawning like at least two spinoffs. Yeah, like I've read articles about Yellowstone that, you know, clearly there is an audience that I'm not a part of, and that's fine. I don't need to be. Maybe it's a good show. Uh, I'd be curious to see if the same is true of the Jack Ryan show. Like, is there a kind of a big silent majority of Jack Ryan fans out there watching this show? I do recall, I'm just, I was just trying to look in my email for the Nielsen rate streaming ratings. Um, because I do recall when the latest season premiered that it was like kind of num. it was in the top five of streaming things ratings wise. But it is one of those where, like, it doesn't last long. Yeah, I can see kind of, that. That's kind of like every streaming original, basically. Right, because they just drop it there, put it at the top of the page for a minute, and everyone's like, oh, what's this? Oh, the Jim from The Office. All oh, right, what's he doing? he's a CIA guy, he's, huh? He's doing some spying? Oh, that's oh, he's, fun. Oh, the, everyone, the enemies are Martha, all Jim's brown. on TV. He's Oh, he's going into Russia, I think. Afghanistan. Or probably Afghanistan now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess if you're a secret Jack Ryan on Amazon fan, let us know in the comments. I don't know what comments there are. <laughs> leave a comment Le- on this web zone. Leave a, leave a comment on Spotify. But like, yeah, it just kind of keeps chugging along this weird little franchise zombie. Who will be Jack Ryan next? Timothy Harry Chalamet? Styles. <laughs> Folks, uh, let us know what you think. Will it be Harry yeah. Styles or Timothy Chalamet? Because it's going to be one of them. They, it's, That's he, it. Those are the only two kind actors Kind of surprised left. Army Hammer before he like imploded didn't, didn't do this. I wonder if he was in talks. I bet he was in the running before Jim got it. Right? Yeah. I oh, I that. bet they're, the producers are breathing a big old right? sigh like, of oh, relief. Thank God. Like the worst thing John Krasinski has done was to like sell that youtube series that he was doing to cbs and which like has died i guess i Uh, mean you know what like that's very funny first of all like yeah that sucks dude but also it's kind of on cbs like what was oh yeah no like i it's like when i say that's the worst thing he's done it's like that's the worst thing. Right. Like that's pretty anodyne. He screwed over some execs at CBS who probably screwed didn't over some get a execs bonus that And year. also, like he like did the people who provided all those videos get any money or credit? Yeah, who shot those videos? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Krasinski wasn't just setting up the cameras and finding all the clips and yeah, shit. finding all the clips is the real. Like is the he real had some thing. poor intern or something, or I don't know. Maybe his kid did it. Who knows? Who but knows? Like, yeah, just selling like. Oh, John Krasinski just talking about good news. Yeah, we'll buy it. What's that? John's not going to be in it? Yeah, we'll still buy it. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Why would you still buy it? Why did you sign this? Did you you miss where... Oh, it was a typo. I meant he's not in it. Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John John will be in it. Okay, great. And they sign it. Oh, sorry. That was a typo. He will not. Not be. I forgot to put in not. That's that's my B. Chalk that up to. I hadn't had my coffee yet. OMG. Case of the Mondays. Oh, brother. Anyway. Yeah. 
congrats on your soft Tosh.0. That- <laughs> oh my God. That's that's all that was, and it's not even that because yeah, it's been like two years. Yeah, that's that's just that's died. Dead. That has and that's fine because like, there whatever. is no good news. It'd be like thirty seconds. Some good news. This guy almost got hit by a truck, and then and he then wasn't. Didn't. Oh, this child sold enough lemonade to pay for their own cancer treatment, but they ended up dying anyway. But but, but here's the, the money- GoFundMe for their funeral. <laughs> The money was not enough to cover this, <laughs> the funeral. Funerals are fucking expensive. Even those those little kid coffins. Still overpriced, pricey. really, um, given the material cost. Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so uh, anyway. We've Tune got, in next week for more good news. More good news. Anyway, so like whatever. Jim from The Office is a CIA Best guy. Best of luck to him. It's I fine. don't know. It's fine. Yeah, and Hunt for Red October. I don't know. It's whatever. If you have Fine. fond memories of it from seeing it on cable. Go ahead. Watch it with your dad if Watch they're it with into your that. Dad. If you're like home for Thanksgiving and you got nothing to do, the lions have already biffed it. You know. <laughs> That's every fucking year. Exactly. You know, put on Hunt for Red October. Your dad will be thrilled. He'll be really touched, I think. Yeah. So that's... You can listen to him talk about the book on submarines. Oh he he read like the, the sub manual for whatever... Or just like the history of nuclear submarines and how they went from diesel to nuclear and how, oh, one time back in 84, he toured a, a, the last working diesel submarine. and Which oh, was can, what they used. This is what they for used. For the Red October. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, for, oh, it was it for, was the, Red for October. the Red October. So, uh, yeah, well, actually, that's not how uh, an actual Russian submarine would be set up. Let me show you the schematics. Like, Dad, how do you have those? Right. Uh, oh, decommissioned. Bought them at a garage sale. Yeah. I feel like I'm imitating your dad somehow. I mean, that's his, yeah, kind of peak dad, really. Um, so, speaking, speaking oh, of... Oh, good segue. Oh, what a great segue. Dad movies. Yeah. I've got uh, my grand theory of dad movies, and Hunt for Red October falls right kind of smack dab in the middle of them. And I was thinking about, like, kind of the 90s as an era and what made them so good for dad movies specifically. And, like, what is a dad movie? What is a dad movie? What, what is are the a dad criteria? Movie? There's no one criteria. A lot of it is just a vibe. Oh, sure. But it does, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of overlap. Generally, you've got a middle-aged, but not too middle-aged. Right, uh, like 40s. Protagonist. It can go older if you've got your Clint Eastwood in there. Yeah. Or your Gene Hackman. But generally, it's like anyone uh, from about 40 to 60. And it's a mid-budget action-ish movie it doesn't a thriller it can also be like a western it can be a spy thriller a lot Uh, of spies a lot of spies a lot of wars space space is the other one space is sort of the the third tier of uh dad movies because Mm -hmm. you can get over into like alien stuff and that's less no no it has to be it has to be like looking backwards at space exploration like apollo 13 is a great example of like a peak dad movie which we should do at some point oh yeah it It just appeared back on streaming oh okay great so we should do that soon because that's it's grounded space you can't do like deep space travel that's too sci-fi that's too kooky generally unless speaking. unless you're chris nolan i guess well yeah although i would say chris nolan tried to do a dad movie with interstellar and didn't quite nail it mm. it was the right vibe but it didn't quite get there yeah whereas the martian 
Oh. Did. And because it's more grounded. Yeah. And there's no there's no deep space. There's no deep space. It's just it's still Mars. sci-fi, but it's it's a little more and believable. It's survivor guy. You've got Matt Damon in his forties. Oh my uh, god. Directed by Ridley Scott. Oh my the, god. One of the dad <laughs> movie directors. He did Gladiator. So history. History plays a big part in oh, dad yeah. movies. Um, and if it is history, it has to either be American history or ancient like Roman history. Military history. Military history. So you've got World War II and you've got the kind of the dual heads of the serpent with world. You can be World War II, which is rah, rah, go America Mm -hmm. or Vietnam, which Which is is, how fucked up is this? How fucked up is America? And those are kind of your like two wolves fighting inside dad. Yeah. And kind of from a structural point of view, from like an industry point of view, the 70s kind of new Hollywood directors who had swept in like Spielberg, Ridley Scott, uh, McTiernan, Kevin Costner, Clint Eastwood, like they were all aging. They were all becoming dads themselves. They were Hollywood at that point. They had taken over. They were Hollywood. Like Spielberg was everyone. Spielberg was America's film daddy. And, <laughs> you know, so he kind of, he gave us like Saving Private Ryan. Like he, he did a lot. Jurassic Park mm-hmm. is kind of a dad movie. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. You got Scorsese. interesting because oh. it is a dad movie, but yeah. it's a, it's like an offshoot. Yeah. Uh, gangster movies are kind of an interesting, I think they do fit. They do. They're definitely very dad. There's overlap. Yeah. But I think they're a bit. Like too much of their own subgenre. That's interesting. You know, they're, it's a, kind of like the evolutionary. Tri- like it splits off it from splits the off. war. Like if you yeah. have like you know like the Indo-European language family. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> She's on it again. Ah Jesus! So Scrapping. you know the Indo-European language family splits off into a bunch of like pretty thick trunks. There's Germanic. There's Slavic. There's like all sorts of stuff. So I feel like with dad movies, you have like the general dad movie vibe, like trunk that then splits off into like gangster, World War Two, space. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of... I think gangster definitely does fit, um, but it's, it's, it is an offshoot. Also, I don't know if the mic is picking it up. Our upstairs neighbors are currently binging succession. And just... Look, I love blasting the succession theme song. The opening theme song slaps, but like we've been hearing it several times a day now. J- not the whole not song. Not the song. All we can hear is a boom, 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 boom. It's very funny. It's like, I hope you're enjoying it, man. Is this great. a rewatch or is this your first time? If it's your first time, great. I uh, hope you're uh, having a good time. But anyway, if that's what you're hearing, a weird bass, that's, that's what's going on there. So you had all the 70s filmmakers aging into fatherhood themselves while all the boomers were becoming like young fathers in the 80s and 90s. So they're moving into their dad phases. Mm -hmm. They're also at the peak of their spending power. And comic book movies hadn't taken over yet. There was still a lot of room for these kind of mid-budget. like Mid-budget, guy-in-a-pickle type things, even if it is like CIA agent in a pickle or whatever. But you also had like this nice roster of basically white male middle-aged. And Will Smith. And Will Smith. (laughs) That's kind of it. Although you could argue Will Smith kind of falls into the Gen X trend because he started out fairly early in the 90s, but he was more in like the Michael Bay era. I wouldn't say Michael Bay quite fits in. 
Uh, oh, I was just thinking of like Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State is probably his biggest dad movie, mm-hmm. uh, but he also did like Independence Day yeah. and Men in Black, which were maybe a little too kooky for dads at the time. I think, yeah, those were just kind of general, yeah. very mass audience. Yeah, uh, more aimed at kids or at least teens. Great movies, by the way, not not slamming them. But like, I think, you know, the dads were looking for Harrison Ford and Alec Baldwin and Clint Eastwood, et cetera. Yeah, it's sort of the early, like, the fugitive is, yeah. is fugitive the fugitive is Air Force One. Classic dad. Like, Harrison Ford, if Spielberg was our film daddy, uh, Harrison Ford was our two film daddies. <laughs> Those <are> the- <laughs> Harrison Ford was the on-screen film, film daddy. daddy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as was Sean Connery I think and Connery but Connery was uh, he was aging in the 90s he was also like everyone's dad like if everyone if all the dads could look at Ford and say like oh he's me or he's like my idealized version of myself Connery was their dad which is why you know that dynamic worked so well worked great Last Crusade. Last Crusade. I almost said Raiders I don't know Mm, why those those are the two best ones it's the same movie (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Um, so meanwhile, you had the Gen X filmmakers uh, and sort of the new, new Hollywood uh, who were still kind of in their indie Miramax phase. So you had like Tarantino and Kevin Smith and Steven Soderbergh and uh, Richard Linklater. And they were all like finding success and getting big, but they hadn't quite taken over yet. They were the young bloods coming in and they were still like the art house cinemas. Yeah. And, you know, they were winning the Indie Spirit Awards. Yeah. They weren't winning Oscars quite yet. Uh, so you had this nice moment where all the normie boomer dads really flexed to their film going muscles. Mm-hmm. And we got this kind of interesting little subgenre yeah. that really peaked, I think, in the, in the mid 90s. Yeah. I do want to specify. This, uh, the movies that we're talking about are, are, are very, like, white dad. Yes. Um, I guess that's what I mean when I say, like, the normie boomer dads is, like... Normie boomer white, white dads. White dads, because they were the ones who had the cultural cachet. The, yeah, they were the people that, you know, movie makers wanted to target. And unfortunately, <laughs> Because that's... they looked like... It was like, well, I'm making movies for myself basically yeah like all the directors i mentioned were all white yeah and you know also all the gen x uh, directors were also white <laughs> like, yeah so that didn't that really only like the yeah, style Sp- of movie, spike lee was doing some very different things very different things for a, for a different audience uh that is a good distinction to make yeah yeah um but yeah so that's you know my overarching view of the market dynamics of filmmaking in the 90s and why we had this weird little bump of of a mid-budget boom. a boom really hmm, interesting mm. 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 much to think about and yeah it was very white uh so but so is a lot like so, so is, a lot is of shit stuff. now really oh my god uh it's all just, but now it's like, it's, it just all feels like it's for children. Like it doesn't all have to be for dads, but it'd be nice to have that mix again of just like, oh, this is targeted at Shit somebody. Shit for grownups. This is Shit targeted at people who have mortgages. Right. You know? Or I guess maybe it's because no one has, That's no true. one can None afford a mortgage now. Uh, I'm adulting. I don't know. How oh, I'm, I can't on. talk on the phone because uh, I have anxiety. I, I have uh, my anxiety. I can't. It's like, oh my God. Adult life. Like it is interesting that we haven't gotten like the, the dad movie doesn't exist anymore. And it's not like millennials are having children now. Yeah. Finally, I think if our friend groups are anything to go by. Yeah. 
we're finally having children. I think not a, at the rate that well, that's we're the thing, supposed like, to, I guess. My friend group, I think, has a fairly high percentage of people who have had kids. Most of them have had one kid. Um, a couple have had two. Yeah. Uh, so they have replaced themselves, basically. But then, like, there's probably 40% of my friend group that just hasn't had any kids. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we are, we're, uh, the next generation ain't going to be as big. And that's why we don't have dad movies. Oh, that might have something to do with it. Also, though, the studio system currently just makes it impossible to have any kind of guy in a pickle. Yeah. Like, just you know 80 million dollar thriller well i don't know if you knew this but it's actually mandated by law now that dr strange has to be in every movie every fucking that is movie. made or a weird cgi deep fake of luke skywalker oh it's so those are your two options they they are it is legally mandated they passed it in congress a Joe Manchin. It was part of it was part of the <laughs> the infrastructure. Inf- it bill? was part of the Inflation Reduction Act. Oh, that's what it was, Inflation Reduction Act. They keep calling it the IRA, and I'm yeah. always like, the Irish. What? No, you can't, call, you can't it that. call it the IRA. There's too many. There's already two other. There's two other IRAs. IRAs and like neither. <laughs> one is like just a pain in the ass, and the other is like uh, a lot of sectarian violence. Uh, that's the 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 retirement account is the sectarian (laughs) violence i am going to riot is it a traditional ira or a roth ira let's go to war over it that would be funny (laughs) good little sketch good little skit call Uh, snl oh god uh get pete davidson back on the show i don't think he's on there is he i don't care yeah so that's you know why films these days aren't about dads anymore or aren't for dads anymore because most of us aren't dads and uh also you know you got to get benedict cumberbatch great <laughs> outstanding anyway hunt for red october I th- it's on netflix right now i think is that where we watch right it? Yes, yes that is where we yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows if it will be you know it's probably not worth buying but like watch uh, it what yeah. if you have a dad Watch Maybe it's it with worth him. buying for your dad on DVD. Oh, yeah. he, he doesn't have a. Blu-ray he does not player. have a Blu-ray player. Apparently, the VHS for this was red. Oh yeah, which is fun. That's great. See if you can find him a copy of that if oh. he has a VHS player still. If you, it's in the basement. If it's you water damage, don't have a dad watch it in their honor. Sure. Memory. Whatever. Or I don't know if you just like submarine movies uh, and U five seven one isn't available. Watch this. Go ahead. U five seven one is a banger. Bye.